Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for jumping on board, Robert, along with my longtime co-host, R.G. Seal. We've been doing this five years now, over five years at Houston Sports Talk. And we're going to talk a little Astros in this one. Uh, the two biggest name spring training cuts so far. Well, in other words, they were reassigned to the minors, R.G. or Brady Rogers and Francis Martez, both of them recovering from Tommy John surgery last year. But, you know, I was thinking about this, R.G. I can see one or both of those guys getting called up this year if the Astros suffer any bullpen injuries. Brady Rogers seems like at some point down the road he could end up being a Brad Peacock-type swing guy. He could swing, you know, he could swing a little bit, pitch middle relief, or handle a starting spot if you need him. That's where I see him maybe as his major league role. What, what are you thinking with those two guys? Yeah, when I was first hearing Brady Rogers, I was thinking the NFL. I was thinking Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers. But uh, uh, you, uh, getting back on track here, yeah, I agree with what you said about Brady Rogers as being somebody that, look, he needs to just get more innings. He needs to be able to – because we know in spring training, even though you have the split squad games and uh, – it just once it starts getting into second, third week of spring training, you know, guys need to be stretched out, pitched longer. So they reassigned the minor league camp so guys can get more usage. And Brady Rogers wasn't going to make the opening day roster. So they just need to be able him to, to progress. And, and like you said, he could be somebody that can help out of the bullpen uh, starter at some point this season. Francis Mar- Martez had his Tommy John surgery last last summer. So that timetable's a, a a lot longer, I believe, for him. So. Uh, still getting back throwing and, uh, you know, but Brady Rogers, I agree with you. That's somebody that could be of help to the Astros at some point during this season. He's got world series experience too. You remember that <laughs> little league world of series experience, but yeah, he's got some world series experience. Okay. So Williamsport, I, I didn't quite catch that there, but okay. Yeah. Good, good news here uh, for the Astros. Correa has been crushing the ball. And according to all reports is clearly over the lower back issues, from last season, find your wood. Well, you... we'll see the lower back issues. Yeah, I was about to say, you got to knock on wood or something like that. But Altuve and Bregman also both back on the field after off-season surgery. So, I mean, that's, eh, I mean, good news for all the big guys. Well, one of the things you talked about with Bill Brown uh, was how are the Astros going to do their lineup? I thought that was interesting because, as a matter of fact, in their spring game, as we're recording this today, they had the lineup. Starting off, they had Springer, Altuve, and Bregman, and then batting fourth was Michael Brantley, fifth Correa, sixth Gurriel, seventh Reddick, eighth was uh, Chirinos, and, and ninth was Diaz. So that you could already see that could be an opening day lineup right there, especially with those top six. You're talking about Springer and Altuve and Bregman. And then again, Brantley, the left-hander in there. And then you have Correa and Gurriel and then another left-hander in Reddick. Where would you put Brantley? Where, where would you put him in the lineup if you figured out? I mean, out? that's what I, I, I like. He's a veteran hitter. He knows what to do in situations. It's not going to, you know, I, I like being able to break up. The, and we look, we've already seen Springer loves to lead off. He's comfortable in that leadoff spot. Altuve's done really well, MVP uh, as uh, hitting second, and and Bregman is your best hitter. You want him hitting third. So, and that's the, your top three, your right-handed bats right there. Break it up with a lefty. I mean, I know that you know Carlos Correa, but he's still coming off the back injury. He's still coming off the mechanical flaws he had at swing last year. Even though he's hitting the ball great in spring training, doing things, I think that kind of like putting him in the fifth spot there. And you know, the lineup can be readjusted through the season too. It's hard because you have such. You have such great hitters there with the Astros. They're all kind of MVP quality players. And, you know, where do you put Michael Brantley, who's also a solid professional hitter? 
Right. And I, you said something about Altuve did well in the two spot. Altuve could do well in the pie spot, 3.14159. I don't care where you put him in the lineup. He's right. going to hit. Well, so. so can Bragman, really. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think it matters where these guys are. I just think it. But I think that Springer, don't you agree, this guy, for whatever reason, I mean, great player, but he always seems to thrive in that leadoff spot. No question. He would be my number one. I, I told Brownie to consider Brantley in the number two spot, and the reasoning being you know, Altuve and Bregman and the three, four, those guys are so used that those are the pressure spots. Those guys, pressure doesn't get to them. It, it just doesn't. Bregman in the four spot, he would eat it up. He would love it. Oh, I'm the power guy, the little five foot 10 power guy. Oh yeah. Bring it on, baby. Give me that. You know, I, so I, I like having maybe Brantley in the two spot, but you know, it's, it's hard to, it's like, you know, the idea is you take away bats from guys, the further back you move them in the lineup. But I mean, I don't think it's a big deal to move Altuve and, and uh, Bregman back, you know, for one spot in the, in the batting order. I mean, Correa still has to prove that, you know, he's back to where he is. So th- there's a good chance, like you said, he ends up in the five spot somehow, some way, and Brantley's in there to break it up. But uh, yeah, that's why that was my reasoning behind Brantley in the two spot, because maybe he doesn't have as much power as Bregman, you know, does and, and Correa does. So you definitely don't want, I don't think you want Brantley in the four spot. That seems weird to me. I just, it doesn't make sense. Well, now he's a solid professional. He can make contact. He can do so many things. He, he can hit, he can hit the long ball. He has power. So, I mean, he, he's just, he can, you can stick him. He's what's great is you can put him. He's almost like a Yuli Gurriel from the, uh, the, the left-hand side. You can stick him into a bunch of different spots in there. It doesn't matter. He's not going to be overwhelmed by it. I think what's interesting now though, is with uh, George Springer has lost some weight coming into camp too. If you're looking at somebody who can get on base, be a leadoff hitter, if he is going to be the leadoff hitter, of course, and continue in that role where he's thrived over the years, he's had his inconsistencies. But if he can get on base and steal bases, and then he's made a real attempt with that uh, this spring is to get back to the base stealing. And then you have Altuve there coming off the injury. If he can get back and have more stolen bases than he did, you know, the Astros can have some speed on the base pass. And, and again, that's another reason, you know, with the top two guys in the lineup have, you know, that that speed on the base pass and potential double steals and make things difficult for opposing pitchers. All right. This is another thing I was thinking about a little bit. I don't know how, how closely you've looked at this RG, but you know, barring injuries, I feel like we already know the Astros 25 man opening day lineup. I've been going over all the names there. And when you start, you know, hashing it out, you go, well, I think we got this because here, here, here's, here I go, and I, I know you might not have written it down, but just you know, hear me out and listen and see if you think there's just anything that's odd of, of what I'm saying. But I have as your opening day starters Verlander, Garrett Cole, Wade Miley, Colin McHugh, Brad Peacock. I think Peacock has got that right now. Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, because uh, because Fran Valdez has also had some control problems and you know just uh, they, they, because they also signed Wade Miley gives them the left hander in that rotation so it makes it a little bit easier to to not put uh, Fran Valdez in the f- uh, starting rotation to begin the season. The relievers so now we're at six through twelve because we're going with six, we're going with twelve pitchers right RG to start the season. That's what's been rumored. I mean, the Astros usually go with 13, but because of the roster log jams and players being out of options like Tyler White and Tony Kemp, yeah, they've been leaning towards having the 13 uh, position players. All right, so my relievers, Osuna, Presley, Rondon, Devo, Will Harris, Josh James, if the quad is good to go. And as we speak, you know, he's making progress and it looks like he might be able to pitch pretty soon. And then the lefty, 
CNL Perez. Any disagreement with that group? Yeah, at this point, I really don't have a disagreement with that because they did let go of Tony Sip and Sinal Perez, the Cuban that they've had uh, in the organization. Uh, he's, a, he's a guy that could you know, be that lefty out of the bullpen. Uh, and all the others you mentioned just have to wait and see on the Josh James injury. I mean, I'm not looking at the whole, whole roster right here, but you know that, that sounds like about right to me. The regulars, I mean, these are pretty easy to me. This is like a no-brainer. Uh, Yuli, Altuve, Correa, Bregman, Springer, Reddick, Brantley, Astasi, uh, Chirinos, Aledmus Diaz, Tyler White, Tony Kemp, Marisnik, and that gets you to 25. Yeah, again, I mean, I can't really, at this point, I'm in total uh, agreement with you on, on that. So, because you have uh, your catching position at uh, Chirinos and Stasi uh, for right now, I mean, they talked about maybe in the offseason bringing in somebody else. And, and then, like you said, or we discussed earlier, a couple of those players are out of options. They want to have Jake. Marisnik on the roster because of his gold glove caliber defense and late inning replacement there. So, uh, and then Tony Kemp, I mean, he was really instrumental, you know, in the games that he played for the Astros last year coming off the bench and Almeida Diaz was signed as to be kind of the Marwin Gonzalez replacement and Tyler White, you know, is kind of taking over DH where Evan Gaddis isn't on the roster anymore. So I would, I would pretty much agree with how you done things there. What I, I would like to say though, is we still don't know what's going to happen because like, you and Bill Brown were discussing, I thought Bill Brown made a very cogent point too, that, you know, it kind of seems like Jeff Luno is going to just wait and see how things develop here. And the off season really goes until opening day. Now we've seen that like Bryce Harper just signed last week. Spring training was already started. Then the trading deadline, it's going to be crazy for baseball this year, the trading deadline. So I think that like Luno's going to, what Bill Brown said, Luno waiting to see how the roster develops, what the team looks like in the first few weeks of the season, and then address those areas of need. I think that's going to be very true. What is the most powerful lineup? Do you think that the Astros could have RG? I mean, you could, you could put Tyler White at DH. I mean, you look at the power that they've got in the, in this lineup now, obviously the, the, the front four guys, the big four can, can all go deep on you at any at any point. But, I mean, this is not maybe the power lineup that they had in 2015, but, brother, they've got some power in this group. I mean, if they had a catcher that could hit home runs. Well, they do now. Robert Chirnos, that's why they went out and got him. He's got power. What's his, what's his high in home runs? Was he in the 20s at some point? He had 18 home runs last year. So that's why, I mean, very interesting for the Astros to go out. I mean, they had Brian McCann. Remember, that was a guy that as well who had put up power numbers, but it was declining. Uh, Robinson Chirinos has never had more than 18 home runs, but the last couple of seasons he's had 18 home runs and 17 home runs. But the, the season that he had 17 home runs, he only had 300 at-bats, a little over 300 at-bats. Last season he had 400, a little over 400 at-bats, 426 at-bats, I, I think I'm reading here, and he had – 18 home runs. So that's again going to be, you know, something why, yeah, you can have power up and down the lineup. And, and Almeida Diaz is also a guy that can add power too. So, I mean, the Astros are going to be a powerful lineup. I mean, I think this is the best lineup that the Astros potentially, it's potentially this is the best lineup the Astros have ever had. Well, it's still hard to say that because remember that 2017 team, you know, was just a record setting team, the World Series championship team as far as offensively when they added Carlos Beltran to it and had a lot of guys having career seasons. But but that's it. Carlos Beltran, though, was not good at that point. 
But even so, he played – people forget he played really well the first half of the season then had more of a decline the second half of the season. But remember, the Astros put up historic, I mean, offensive numbers that season. I mean, Marwin Gonzalez had a career season that 2017. He, You know, it, it was an incredible season. Jose Altuve was the MVP that season. You know, you had – Guys like Carlos Correa, great season. I mean, you know, Bregman, you know, hitting in the second half of the season, all-star uh, levels. So, I mean, they had guys having career seasons, so it's it's difficult to say, oh, yeah. But, I mean, if you look at it on paper, what this lineup is potential, if they're all healthy and they can play, yeah, definitely this can be a, a great lineup. But the reason they went out and acquired Robinson Tiernos was because of what happened, again, like Brian McCann can you know he's been a little bit on the decline and getting older but I mean that season two when he was with the Astros 2017 he gave the Astros a lot of pop from the catcher position so that's why they were trying to add some more sock to that position again this offseason Michael Brantley is going to be in the lineup every day most likely Uh, Marwin Gonzalez that year he was great but he wasn't in the lineup every day and you look at Correa and Bregman and they're that first of all Bregman had his best year last year and, and he could still get better. We don't know with Bregman. I mean, I don't, I doubt he could be uh, quite as good as last year. I wouldn't put my money on it, but he's, he's going to be better than he was in 2017. And Correa can definitely be better than he was in 2017. Now, now Jose is obviously, you know, that him to get to that MVP level, maybe not, but he could still be really, really good. And you look at, uh, just all the way through everywhere. The the guy that you want to see turn it around, and, and, and he was a big reason why they were so good in 2017 uh, from one through nine is uh, Josh Reddick. I mean, Josh Reddick hit over 300 that year, and he was not good at all last year. But this year, if Josh Reddick is struggling, you move Brantley over to right, and you can put Tony Kemp in, and Tony Kemp can still give you an 800 OPS. You know, that that's where... Uh, you're so good is that you've got guys off the bench that could come in and, and just rake the ball. I mean, it's ridiculous. The 2017 team, they had a total, uh, their total WRC plus 121 was tied for the eighth best in baseball history. So that's weighted runs created plus. I mean, it's one of the stats to kind of look at for a team offensively. Eighth best in history MLB history after that season yeah here's where they can't they can't get better probably is they can't get better with runners in scoring position that's what separated that team I'm just saying like the OPS of this team could be better than you know that's a whole it different potentially story. Could be. I mean, look, the 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 offense is going to have to pick up uh, the slack this year because the pitching staff's not going to be as good. Outside of like the top two who are going to be horses, Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, there are going to be question marks there because. Uh, you don't have Lance McCullers. He's out for the season. So they, uh, you know, they brought in Wade Miley. They have Colin McHugh coming back to rotation. There's no guarantee that Colin McHugh, he's already had some issues with uh, injuries as well here to start at the beginning of camp. It shouldn't keep him out of the rotation, but it's something to watch. And then you also have Brad Peacock going back into the rotation who had a career year in 2017, but he's no sure lock. I mean, the guys they had last year, they were, it was a record-setting pitching staff. And brings me to my question to you. I don't know if you saw this, but but the Yankees, Luis Severino, who signed the big contract in the offseason, the Yankees ace, already has rotator cuff inflammation. He'll be out for two weeks. He's not going to start the season with the team. He'll be on the disabled list. They say MRI revealed no structural damage, but the Yankees have already got to be in panic mode because the Yankees, I mean, Luis Severino is their best pitcher. I mean, I know they went and signed James Paxson, 
uh, or traded for James Paxson. They signed Jay Happ. But CC Sabathia, because of his medical problems in the offseason, he's going into his last season. He also is not going to be available to start the season potentially. And then you have you know, Masahiro Tanaka under contract, but it's not the, the juggernaut there. So they've talked about either signing uh, Gio Gonzalez or Dallas Keuchel. So in Dallas Keuchel, as we know, you even said at the beginning of the offseason, hey, what, when you go to the Yankees, he always pitches well there. But then they said that uh, John Hamer reported that the Astros – are still talking with Dallas Keuchel, as are the Phillies. So you have the Phillies and the Yankees, you know, so there's still a possibility that Dallas Keuchel, like I said earlier, you know, Jeff Luno's evaluating this team, seeing as, as it goes. And, you know, there's already got to be a little bit of concern there with Josh James' injury. And then you're also seeing that Colin McHugh's been held out uh, and not getting his reps in because of an injury to begin camp here with. So or begin games with. So you have to, you know, I'm sure Luno's already looking, you know, what possibilities could we do with the starting rotation here? Would you, again, the Keuchel discussion, we seem to, seem to keep coming back to it because he's still a free agent. I don't think he's coming back to the Astros at this point now. Well, I mean, that pretty much sounds okay. <laughs> All right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with you. I mean, that it seems like that page is turned. But, you know, if he doesn't have a team, he wants to sign a one-year deal. If there's something, then maybe that could potentially be with the Astros. So uh, another thing, wanted to, getting back to the pitching staff here, Justin Verlander again came out and said, recent report here, that he's open to a short-term contract. So, and he said he wants to pitch until his mid-40s, but he's okay with doing a short-term contract, and it doesn't have to be a long-term. So would that set him up more for the Astros? Would you be looking to get him signed now before he can enter the free agent market? Because you have to think if the Dodgers and the Yankees and the Red Sox and uh, whomever, they would all want Justin Verlander on a short-term two- or three-year contract, wouldn't they? So wouldn't that behoove the Astros to try to, while he likes it here and has a good, you know, great team surrounding him, try to get him under contract? Let's do it. I'm ready. Let's go. Can we get him in a room? Can we get him and Jeff Luno? And uh, who else do we need to get in this room? Uh, let's get him there. Let's let's do it. All right. So you're pushing for that. I, I would agree. I would agree with you as far as for Justin Verlander. I, I'd love to see him sign because I also I don't know about what you think about this, but I, I think it's going to be much tougher to get Garrett Cole because a he's represented by Scott Boris. B uh, you know he's younger and is going to want six seven eight-year deal like you know all these guys and like what Patrick Corbin got this past offseason so he'll go to the market and we know with Boris clients they take a long time you don't want to be the Astros this upcoming offseason and not have either Verlander or Cole signed so I mean that's to me why I'm I'm yeah whatever they can do to get one of their horses signed beyond this season yeah usually you just you're scared of a guy that age but Verlander doesn't seem to be slowing down. I mean, knock on wood, but he doesn't. Hey, you asked who else to have in that room. How about Nolan Ryan? He's a special advisor. And remember when McMullen let him go for, uh, you know, when it signed him to that contract? So I'm sure he can say a few things about like, hey, you know, a guy who wants to pitch into his mid-40s. Nolan, bring him in. Hey, I'm Nolan. I'm Nolan's biggest fan, so you're preaching to the choir. I think Nolan should be in every room. I was surprised. The only everywhere. thing I was surprised about when you say get them all in the room, the only one I was surprised. I mean, you're you always mentioned Kate Upton. I was just surprised you didn't in this one too. She'll be in the room always in spirit because, you know, Justin. He he's you know he's it's his wife. You know they they got to decide where they're gonna 
live and what they're going to do and everything. Well, and that's an important consideration for anybody signing a free agent deal, of course. Yeah. Yeah. But do you think that being here in Houston for the last couple of years, the and the way the, win, the organization's winning right now, the Astros are in there. We know that o, Jose Altuve is signed to a contract. Bregman's under contract for several more years because he had become a free agent. Uh, even Carlos Correa, you have that. So you have this nucleus, you know you can win. That's why, to me, it's a kind of perfect thing. And with Forrest Whitley coming up, remember, He's a, he's a Justin Verlander type pitcher, you know, with his uh, fastball slider, be able to, you know, come in there and, and learn, you know, not only this season, but, you know, groom him to be the, you know, the Justin Verlander type pitcher with the Astros. And then you can have going forward here, you could have, you know, Justin Verlander, even if you lose Cole, we don't want to lose Garrett Cole, but you could have Justin Verlander, Forrest Whitley, then Lance McCullers come back. That, that That's a pretty strong three. And then you add from there. But I also want to ask you one more thing, um, not necessarily Astros related, but on uh, a major league baseball here. Uh, uh, you were talking about the rosters earlier, 25 man roster supposed to be going up to at least they're supposed to announce this in the near term that the in 2020 there'll be 26 man rosters so all that stuff we were talking about before whether to have 13 pitchers and 12 position players or 12 position players and 13 pitchers if the Astros could fast forward to next season that wouldn't be a problem they'd be keeping 13 position players and we wouldn't be worried about the options on Tony Kemp and Tyler White stuff like that and then another thing that I think is good they're going to reduce from 40 to 28 in September so that that means that you can only have 28 active on the September pennant roster. So you don't have those teams that will have like they have, you know, 20 people in the bullpen that they can call upon. A.J. Reed is booing right now. He doesn't like that at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's some guys in the minor leagues that aren't going to be happy because they're not going get to get the chance. But it, that's about it's about time. It's a, we've talked about that before. That's something that needed to change years ago. I'm surprised they cut it so drastically, though, so quickly. I mean, I'm, I'm, I was thinking maybe, oh, we're going to cut it down to 30 or something like that. Hey, by the way, I, I meant to ask you this because you covered him in high school, I believe, and he's also playing. It's a local thing, but uh, James Loney signed with the Sugarland Skeeters. I know that, that uh, a friend of the show, uh, Greg Lucas, does their games sometime. Yeah, Greg's not doing the games anymore. I don't even think they're doing okay. the games on radio, Greg was telling me anymore, which is kind of sad. Uh, but yeah, James Loney. Uh, he's a Sugarland product, so that's kind of cool. James Loney coming home. The Skeeters, they, it's cool. They've always got these guys that you go, oh, yeah, I remember him. He was a Houston area product, and he used to play in the major leagues or this guy or that guy. I mean, remember when? Remember Roger? Roger made an appearance out there one time, too. <laughs> remember that? But, but, but what's interesting about James Loney, and we've talked about the Shohei Otani, is that he's going to be a two-way player. He was a great pitcher. He's, he's going to be a great two-way player like Jason Lane for the Skeeters? Is that yeah. what you're telling me? <laughs> yeah, so he's going to be exact. Well, hey, Jason Lane went back in the pro ball. He was he almost got that cup of coffee with San Diego as a pitcher. But I mean, do he, I have that right? Did Jason Lane play for the Skeeters? Is that right? He did play for the Skeeters, I think, for a little bit, right? And then he went back to um, like in the Padres organization or something like that. Yes, that? he was in the Padres organization. He was in the Padres organization. He retired with, I think, getting close to get, being called up. I'm not sure if he ever was called up and pitch with the Padres. Maybe he did for a couple of games and was on the roster, didn't pitch in a major league game. Um, I'd have to go back and check. But I know that he was really trying hard to to make it as a pitcher. And you have to give him credit because that's a lot of years on minor league bus. You've already been a you know successful major league, or at least making it to the major leagues and you know playing and uh, getting getting time in the majors and then to go start all over again as a pitcher. So, I mean, we'll see what happens with James Loney. He wants to you know get back and 
and still play baseball. He loves the game. So playing with Sugarland Skeeter. So, hey, people listening in the, uh, to this podcast, you can go out and watch him in Sugarland. Yeah, the Skeeters, they're always fun to watch out there. And you can see it, too. You can see Houston's own Shohei Otani. You can see James Loney trying to, you know, play both roles. <laughs> yeah, Shohei Loney is out there, too. Yeah, right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> there you go. Anything else? You got anything else for this one? Anything else? Anything else? Going once, going twice? You got on the auction block there? Otherwise, we'll just uh, wish everybody a great weekend. We'll talk to you again next week. Uh, enjoy the weekend, everyone, and uh, go Rockets. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. Give us a five-star review on iTunes when you get the chance and tell your friends about us. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hey there, I'm Max Friedman. And I'm Eli Blackwood. We're hosts of Tackling the Texans, brought to you by the Pulse Podcast Network. If you love the Houston Sports Talk podcast, then you should go ahead and listen to our weekly podcast where we talk about everything exciting around the NFL and what it means for Houston.